You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. And welcome to another Unspooled Top 3, where we bring on filmmakers, creatives, brilliant people that we admire to talk about the three films that they would send to space. And today I am so excited to speak to an actress that I just admire. And in fact, before she comes on, I'm just going to say this because I feel like it would embarrass her if, if she was around. Um, there are certain people when as when you're a critic, especially when you're a critic going to a film festival where you're looking through and be like, what am I going to make time for? There's 200 movies. You see this person's name in the credits and you think that's going to be good. Because I don't think this actress has ever made a bad movie. And she's always the best part of every movie that she is in. And so now that I've said all that, I will bring her in in a second. Uh, her name is Melanie Linsky, of course, the one and only. She came to fame um, 1994 in the Peter Jackson film Heavenly Creatures with Kate Winslet. She has been in basically every great movie, I feel like, ever since then. Um, this week... She is in a movie called Lady of the Manor that is directed by Justin Long, um, along with his brother, Christian Long. She plays this stoner character who's such a screw up that is absolutely like surprising and repellent and bizarre. And uh, it's just fascinating. Basically, it's like a ghost story comedy starring Melanie Linsky as a stoner, as Judy Greer, as the ghost, Ryan Philippe as the southern bland barren type of like red faced son who's also such a creep it is marvelous it's just it's just an absolute joy bomb so check out lady of the manor and with that kind of an intro now i can bring her in please welcome melanie linsky to talk about your top three films melanie i am so happy to talk to you about your three films about you about everything hello hi it's so good to see you I actually want to start talking to you with kind of a curveball, and you have to forgive me, but just a couple of weeks ago on the show, Paul and I were talking about the film Inception, and we were talking about how Christopher Nolan 
uses dreams in his work, mm. not just like literally putting the dreams on the screen, but like he is a, a director who does like kind of conscious, creative dream work that he trained himself mm. to do that when he was younger and that he summons a lot of ideas from his dreams. And I heard that that was something you do as an actress. And I really wanted to learn more about that. Oh, this is interesting. I actually didn't know that he did that. That's so awesome. I do this thing called creative dream work. And I, I guess the sort of short version of it is when you're about to do a role, you write an intention letter to yourself and ask yourself for a dream. And sometimes you can get very specific and say the things that you're wanting to come up for, you know, um, and then you have a dream and you write the dream down. Um, a few times I've done workshops where you can cast people in your dreams, which is really fun. So other actors play people in your dreams and you can walk it through like you're reliving the dream and you can go off and you play yourself in the dream and you're like, you'll play my cousin, you'll play my husband, whatever. And you can go over moments again and again, that feel of particular significance. Um, and that's always been a really amazing experience. Does it feel like it unlock something in you you were kind of thinking about in the back of your head or does it seem to come from something deeper it's it's weird the stuff that comes up it's sometimes um like a physicality sometimes somebody will be standing a particular way or um approaching you in the dream with an energy that I've realized oh this is a good energy for this character this is a good uh one time I had a dream uh where I was talking to my ex-husband and at a certain point I uncrossed my legs and put both my feet flat on the floor and it, I felt like a tremendous amount of strength in that moment in the dream and then I did that in a scene in the movie and it it's just a way of connecting to your unconscious I guess because something in my unconscious gave me that movement in my dream and then when I did it in life it just unlocked that weird sort of primal thing sometimes it's a person will be in your dream and you'll be like oh this is a good reference and sometimes it's just moments that you can call on when you need it like in an emotional moment like a flash from a dream sometimes will come to me it happened to me yesterday at work I was like oh there it is my little helpful thing from my dream <laughs> well for Lady in the Manor do you remember what kind of came to you for that one to be honest, I didn't ask myself for a dream. <laughs> There's sometimes you don't need you don't need the dream. I, I usually do it when there's gonna be a lot of um emotional layered, you know, complexities, things where I feel like there's some other part of myself that I need to get to. Um but for Lady of the Manor, I was like, I think it's better if I don't try to get too deep with it and I just keep it a little bit surfacy. <laughs> well, I was thinking about Lady in the Manor, which is so much fun. I mean, mm. part of what that movie was making me think, though, as I was watching it is like, you know, of course, you're playing like a stoner who's been hired to um, work at this place in Savannah called like the Wadsworth House, Wadsworth House. Mm. And you're hired to reenact the former lady of the house, Lady Wadsworth. And you do such a bad job that yeah. her ghost played by Judy Greer shows up and haunts you through the film. And I thought, you know, there's something in there that reminds me about the work of just actually being an actress, that you kind of have this responsibility, maybe <laughs> as an actress to feel like you are you playing somebody the right way, like the full way. Yeah, 
That's it. I love that that's what you took from Lady of the Men. <laughs> I, well, I you... know a lot of awesome jokes. <laughs> I know. You're just so smart, though. You're like, hmm, you're just thinking about it on another level always, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah, it's especially when you're playing a real person or you're playing somebody who you feel that the writer is very invested in. It can start to, you know, the worst thing for me is when I start to get in my head and think, oh, what do they want? What do they need? Um, how am I supposed to be doing it? I have to try my best to let go of that at all times and just be uh, present. Right. I feel like you're, if you don't, if you don't keep your grounding, it's harder for you to keep the character grounded. Yeah. And I just, I have such a, um, an allergy almost to, anything inauthentic and if I if I do something that doesn't feel like it comes from my core if it doesn't feel completely connected to to me and my own instincts it just I might as well just be like a puppet I I feel completely crazy I am excited to talk more to you about your work and your career and your three favorite films they are all very lovely um very beloved very classy Film number one, The Piano. The Piano, from 1993. It is the story of a mute woman from Scotland who is sold halfway around the world to a man in New Zealand. She arrives in New Zealand with her six-year-old daughter and a piano, but her new husband will not let her take the piano to her new home. Another man does take the piano, however, and their piano lessons become fraught with a dangerous passion. Uh, The piano stars Holly Hunter and Anna Paquin as the woman and her child. It stars Sam Neill as the bad husband and Harvey Keitel as the piano student. And it is, of course, written and directed by Jane Campion. Oh, no, it can't come now. It must. She wants it to come. Yes, and so do I, but there are too few of us here to carry it now. Too heavy. You mean you don't want your clothing or your kitchenware to come? Is that what you mean? We can't leave the piano. Melanie, tell us why you picked this film. What is your argument for sending this movie up to space? I just think it's perfect. I think it's beautiful. I love Jane Campion. I would send any one of Jane Campion's movies to space. I would send In the Cut to space. I would send, like, any one of them, honestly. But this one... It just feels to me so completely female. You just, you know it was made by a woman. It's very sensual in a way that feels very feminist and very female. The performances are amazing. For me, it's an important movie because it's set in New Zealand when New Zealand was being settled and I'm from New Zealand and um, it's a part of my history that I find really fascinating. Um, I, I don't know, there's just so much about it. Anna Paquin is very cute. How far away is this part of New Zealand from where you grew up? It's actually not too far. Most of where they shot it is um, West Coast, North Island, I think. I think they shot all over the place, but it's not too far. It's not my hometown, but it's a few hours drive. I mean, what kind of a figure is Jane Campion in New Zealand? Like, is New Zealand a, a, a place with a lot of hometown pride where they're like, that is our director. We love her. Yes, very much. Um, you know, she moved to Australia quite early in her career and has been living and working there, even though she goes back to New Zealand a lot. Um, and recently on my television show, I'm doing an Australian director who was mentored by Jane Campion came and did an episode and he said, oh, we worked with one of your 
country's greatest exports, um, Jane Campion, and I instantly loved him because he was the rare Australian who wasn't trying to claim her for their own. He, he admitted she was from New Zealand. I said, great. Um, now I trust you. She's, yeah, <laughs> she's a very, very big deal in New Zealand filmmaking. Um, and she still, she, she shot, um, oh, the new movie, what's it called? Oh, the, so the story of a dog? Yeah, the of a way, do- yeah, way of, of the dog? Way of the dog. Yeah, I keep getting confused with Year of the Dog. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But it is of the dog and it comes out this year and it's It's apparently great. I have not seen it yet. Oh, me either. I can't wait. She shot that in Power of the Dog. Thank you, Brianna. (laughs) Brianna's text. She's like, Power (laughs) of the Dog, you guys. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to see it. But she shot that um, in New Zealand. She she shoots a lot of stuff in New Zealand, so she's very present. Um, And she's just a huge figure especially for female filmmakers like what an inspiration i mean this is maybe silly but i was thinking you know your debut film heavenly creatures comes out one year after the piano and i was picturing Mm. like i don't know what the new zealand moment was like then but is it crazy to that i'm imagining you guys at the same parties with like the same tuna tartar appetizers like (laughs) did you guys know each other Uh, no it's not really i mean there's like the film awards in New Zealand, uh, um, when I was nominated for a film award, there was one other nominee in Best Actress. So it was the industry was is still small, but it was so small at that time. That sounds um, extra personal, like one-to-one. One-to-one, yeah. Me against Kerry Fox. But yeah, there's not really... There, at that time, there were not really a lot of parties or gatherings or anything like that. So I'd never ran into any of those people but I do remember it being a really exciting time in New Zealand filmmaking because there had also been Once Were Warriors um that was yeah. a huge the biggest movie of all time in New Zealand at that point um I think now Taika's movies have eclipsed it but it was such a huge moment and then uh, the piano and Heavenly Creatures and it just felt like people were paying attention to us in a way that they hadn't before and there was a lot of exciting stuff happening it was really magical I mean, was there an actress? Was there like a Holly Hunter figure in your life? Like, well, first, like, what do you admire about her performance in this? I admire the restraint of it. Um, I really love her voiceover. <laughs> There's something really like hushed and beautiful, um, you know, because she doesn't speak in the movie. And there's something about the voiceover that sounds like the voice of somebody who's never spoken out loud. Um it's really internal and really personal. Um, her face, the stillness of her face, but the power that she's such a physical actress. There's so much power in her little body, you know, and just the moments of emotion, you just feel it like flood through her over and over and over again. The moment where she puts her foot in the coil of rope as the piano is going overboard is just this indelible image that's in my head forever. It's very, very profound. But I did have kind of a um, Holly Hunter figure, I guess. When I auditioned for Heavenly Creatures, Peter Jackson hired somebody because I'd never acted professionally before. So he hired somebody to help me find the character, find the emotion, not completely lose my mind. You know, he didn't want to just have this 15-year-old in there and say, now cry, you know, and then send me back to New Plymouth. So he hired this woman called Miranda Harcourt, who actually works with Jane Campion a lot. 
um, as an acting coach for, for kids in movies. And she taught me how to act. She taught me screen acting. She taught me how to access emotion. And she directed a movie a couple of years ago that I did. I'm still in touch with her. And she's been an important person to me. I mean, do you remember the moment that you thought to yourself, like, you're watching a movie and you think, I want to do that. I have to do that. It was so, I mean, I didn't see a lot of movies when I was a kid. Um, my parents were not great about taking us to the movies or <laughs> a ton of activities. Um, but I remember we did see E.T. And that was very exciting for me because I got to have something to talk to kids about at school. I was a very nerdy child and I never had anything to contribute. And so I was like, oh, E.T., I saw that. And then the next week they'd all seen a different movie and I couldn't <laughs> join in anymore. And I was like, mm, well, that was nice. Um but yeah, Drew Barrymore and E.T., I remember thinking like, oh, wow, there are little girls who get to be in movies. And it's just, it just felt m magic to me. And then you work with Drew Barrymore not very long after that. You guys make Ever After. Yeah, when I was 19. So it was probably like 13 years after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I was thinking not very long after your debut. But yeah. Oh, after yeah. my debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was my, <laughs> You're my sort of like, next movie. I'm an actress and now I'm with Drew Barrymore. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I also was a fan of hers from so many things. You know, she's just, she's so great. All right, let's talk about Naked. Naked, also from 1993. It is seven years from Millennium and there is a young man named Johnny who is having, I would say, an existential freak out that he grapples with by talking all the time to people, philosophizing, conspiracy theorizing, and mostly also trying to have sex with every single woman that he meets. Uh, Johnny, at the start of the film, is fleeing Manchester to escape the family of a woman that he has attacked. He is not a good guy. Um, and he has arrived in London where he's going to crash at the house of his ex-girlfriend, who is not thrilled to see him and her roommates, who he will, of course, try to seduce and there's also an abusive landlord. Uh, David Thewlis plays Johnny. Leslie Sharp of The Full Monty is his ex-girlfriend. And Catherine Cartledge, an actor who just had so much talent, so much promise, who passed away uh, suddenly of pneumonia not too long after this. She plays the roommate. The film is written and directed by, of course, the one and only Mike Lee. Are you not cold? I'm reading about the butterfly effect. What's the butterfly effect? Every time a butterfly flaps its wings in Tokyo, this old granny in Salford gets a bilious attack. What happens if a butterfly flaps its wings in Salford? That's not the point. Oh, is it not? Naked, why did you pick this twisted, mean little film? I know it is a mean little film. I showed it to my husband when we first started dating and he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess so. Um, this was a movie that was a very big deal to me when I first saw it, mostly because of Catherine Cartledge, who was and still is one of my absolute favourite actors of all time. And I got to work with her um, in the a movie version of The Cherry Orchard about a year before she passed away. Um, but she, she did so much work in the 90s that was so incredible. And this was one of them. Her performance in this movie is so interesting and when I worked with her, I had a lot of nerdy questions about how did you create it? What was your audition like? Because, um, you know, I heard the audition process for Mike Lee movies was very long. And she told me that she just sat in a room and read a book and he watched her for two hours. Wow. Yeah. Did she say what she thought 
got her the part while reading the book? Was there a way she turned a page? She she had a character in mind. She you know, there's an outline, a character description, and she thought of somebody she knew. And she just read the book for two hours in this character. And kind of walked around a couple of times, but he watched her. I would watch Catherine Cartledge read a book for two hours. Like, she's so fascinating. Um, but it was just, the the process of making the film sounds like it would be my greatest dream to work in this way, to just create something from the ground up, the months and months and months of improvising, putting the script together. It, it just creatively just seems like the most amazing experience. I love Mike Lee's movies. And David Sulis in this movie, it's crazy what he does. It's just a crazy performance. It is. And you're right. Like what, in this film, I think he had everybody create their character sort of individually, mm. as you're saying. And then, then he threw everyone together to see what they would do. So it wasn't even like they're all in the same, you know, dressing room or studio room practicing. Like No. That they were sure-ish of who they thought that character was. And then they met, even before they met as like, human beings like gave their name and are like, hello, I'm David. They met a yeah. character. It's just, it is like my greatest dream to do that. It just to sounds disappear like, that. like magic to disappear like that and to create somebody and to know so fully who your character is as their own person. And then to be put in a situation with somebody else who's done that same kind of work and you have to interact. It just like the, the magic, and I just feel like that's all over this movie. You just feel like sparks coming off of people. And Katrin is so broken and damaged and funny at times. Like, the performance is funny and tragic, and he's also very, very funny. There's a lot of, like, really blackly comic moments, and the two of them together, I wish they could have worked together ten more times. I just think it was incredible. I mean, is it fair to say that, like this film, you like playing characters who don't beg the audience to love them, that they're able to just be the kind of sometimes rotten, complicated, sometimes charming, sometimes lazy person that they are? Yeah, it's my favorite thing in the world, I think, (laughs) is to just play somebody who's not trying to be liked. I mean, it's exhausting to try to be liked. I I was not um, a popular child (laughs) again again, I'm talking about this again (laughs) um and I just had to get over it like I just was like okay I guess this is how it is eventually I got friends and then you know I'm still friends with my very first friend I ever made because that's how tightly I clung on to people once I made friends I was like you're (laughs) never leaving no matter what um (laughs) But there was a part of me, like as a young kid, we moved around a lot and I was always the weird kid. And I just was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to be who I am and just take it or leave it. I just really developed a thick skin and a personality. And I think it's been helpful as an actor to not feel the need to conform and to not feel like I have to make a performance likable or make a person understandable or be cute or any of the things that people feel the pressure to do. And yet to love your character in your own way. And it's, Mm. and it's, I mean, it's interesting. Like this film, you know, it's about misogyny. It's not like a misogynist film, but because it's about Mm. misogyny, 
there were protests. And I think it's so interesting looking at this film as an example that you can make a f- art, but then you mm. have such little control over how it's received. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I knew there were protests, actually. Oh, yeah. There were protests outside the theater from um, like uh, feminist groups. You know, oh. and part of what Mike Lee said at the time is he was like, all of my f- actresses are very feminist. They would not be making an anti-feminist film or making a film about misogyny, about this kind of thing. I mean, do you ever think like sometimes when I watch these films from the 90s, especially something like Naked, uh, there's so much cynicism in the 90s. They're like so mad about everything. And they're like, so maybe it's like their doomsday about the millennium coming. And now in yeah. the year 2021, I'm like, just wait. Like, you guys don't deserve to be so cranky. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's such a good point. That's such a good point. They should re-release Naked and just add a scene where someone from 2021 time travels to Johnny and is like, dude, mm <laughs> It's just, it gets so much worse. Like, you know, <laughs> it's really funny. Maybe Johnny could see what was coming. He's like, I have a right to be cranky because I know I'll have to live through this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Probably. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to be 50. Donald Trump is going to be the president of the United States. Things are going to be dreadful. <laughs> You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Which brings us yeah. to our last film, Wet Hot <laughs> American Summer. Yes. <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer. From 2001, this is a summer camp comedy that jumps back to the last day of summer camp in 1981, where basically every actor that you love, like Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Elizabeth Banks, Jean Garofalo, Christopher Maloney, a very baby Bradley Cooper, Molly Shannon, David Hyde Pierce, Michael Ian Black, uh, they all just want to make the very last of these waning hours of summer, uh, which basically means like having a lot of sex for most of them. Now I'm just realizing that this has something to do in common with Naked. Uh, but also they're trying to avoid dying from a chunk of NASA's Skylab that has fallen off and is headed to their camp. The movie is directed by David Wayne and written by Wayne and Michael Showalter. Showalter is also in the film. Now we need to make eight gallons of bug juice by snack hour. Do you know where the powder packets are? Yeah. In the pantry over the sink, right next to my bottle of dick cream. Wait. Ignore that last comment. Did you say dick cream? No. 
He said, stick team. You know, stick team, stick ball. Forget about it. Go away. Leave me alone. All right, Melanie, <laughs> tell us about this pick. Oh, my God. I think that this, I think Wet Hot American Summer and Waiting for Guffman are the two funniest movies ever made. The cast is crazy. It's like an all-star lineup of comedy geniuses. Michael Showalter is so, so funny in <laughs> this movie. Everybody's so funny. It's just really weird. There's a lot of extremely strange moments that I really love. I've seen it a million times. I saw it in the movie theater when it came out. I, I went, I was like, God, this is an amazing cast. I'm going to go see this movie. And it was just beyond my wildest <laughs> expectations. It was crazy. Are you an audible laugher in the movies? Are you like a ha 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 very loud or? I don't laugh very easily. Um, my husband will like dance around the kitchen if I audibly laugh. He's so excited <laughs> to make me <laughs> like truly laugh. I'm sort of more of a, you know, that was funny. Um, but I was for sure audibly laughing in this movie. For sure. Were you, were you already living in the States when you watched this movie? When did you come here? Was there like a cultural adjustment? I'm imagining watching this film with American in the title. It being like, what country <laughs> yeah. am I living in? What have I done? I had recently moved here. I can't remember what year it came out. But I remember I had recently, I moved here in 2000. Um, oh, yeah, it came out in 2001, so that makes sense. Oh, okay, yeah. And I just remember that I, I had not been here for very long. And I saw it in Westwood. And oh. it was... Um, you say Westwood with such disdain. <laughs> it's just random. <laughs> I don't know why. I didn't know how to drive at the time. I don't know how I got to Westwood. That's a long way for me. Yeah, it was a cultural adjustment. It was a very big adjustment <laughs> coming to the States. I had been coming for auditions and stuff like that and coming to work a little bit. I did, um, but I'm a cheerleader here and I would come and go, but then I moved properly in 2000. It was really weird. What, what stood out for you as the biggest kind of, oh, what a weird place am I living in? I was saying to Jason last night that... Um, People are not as small in New Zealand. <laughs> there, are so, there are so many, like, very tiny people, like, very slight, like, women who are very thin and quite short. And it, I just was, I felt like a giant. I'd always felt like <laughs> quite a small person. And I suddenly was like, oh, God, I feel so big. Like, there's so many, like, teeny people when men were smaller. Like, <laughs> it's such a weird thing. Then, They're not um, the hardy sheep farmers of New Zealand. Yeah, I guess so. Like, we're all like, pretty, like, sturdy people. Um, and then, like, in a restaurant, just having so many options. I just was like, <laughs> narrow it down, guys. Like, who has the time to read all this? There's just so many options on the menu. Oh, I'm picturing you, like, newly moved here, going to a cheesecake factory after watching a movie in Westwood. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. And asking for a glass of water and having people be like, I don't know what you're asking for. I have to learn to say water. Well, so the reviews of Wet Hot American Summer were not great at the time and the film was yeah. considered a bomb, but then it became a classic. Like, what is that about? How does that happen? I think it just word of mouth, right? Like people just stop watching and they're like, actually, that movie was hilarious. And people want to see it. I mean, I wanted to see it again as quickly as I could. As soon as it was out on DVD or whatever, I rented it. 
And then as soon as I could buy it, I bought it. And I just, I was like, I need to watch this over and over. It's so funny. There's so many moments that I wanted to relive. And then you're talking to people about it and more and more people. I mean, it just, it was, it was so, so, so funny. You know, I would have never put Wet Hot American Summer and Naked next to each other in this way. But now I'm realizing (laughs) that what they kind of have in common is you watch them and you're like, oh, this is filmmaking with freedom. Like you feel Mm -hmm. the freedom of the shoot, which then, I mean, you, so you love this film. And then years later, you got to work with David Wayne and with Michael Showalter when you did, they came together. And so you got to step into their freedom when you're making, for people who haven't seen, they came together. It's it's like a, what Wet Hot is to summer camp movies, that movie is to rom-coms. It's marvelous. (laughs) And you play Amy Poehler's best friend. But yeah, so yeah. you got to like step into this type of filmmaking, into their world in that, yeah. after loving this. Exactly. And I did a couple of episodes of Wet Hot American Summer, the TV show, which was a huge deal for me. Um, I play Michael Showalter's book editor, and then we realize we're in love in one scene. Um, and we're going to get married. Very um, David Wayne moment. Um, yeah, I said to Jason at the time when I was doing... Uh, they came together I was like this is like my Star Wars this is like (laughs) me entering like when people enter the like Marvel cinematic universe or whatever and they're like I'm part of this thing that I've been watching and loving that was what it felt like to me I was like I am in I'm here I I just I couldn't believe it I was so (laughs) so so excited um to be part of it and you're that's such a good point you're exactly right like for me in my own work the thing I cherish the most is being able to retain that sense of freedom. There's nothing that shuts me down quicker than walking on set and the director's like, okay, so on this line, you're opening this cupboard and then you close it on this line. And then this, you're angry here. And then it turns a little, you know, like giving you so many notes. I just can't, you know, and there's such a freedom when you're able to improvise and come up with something yourself. And, you know, I, I when I worked with David Wayne and Michael Showalter, I, I love the fact that they were just coming up with new stuff on the spot, just giving you new lines. Um, it was it was just so fun. <laughs> I mean, when I watch your films, like I feel like I get this peek into a world of something even bigger than a film. I get this peek into a world of like, this can be a life. Like this can be your job. Like you can build a life mm-hmm. around like working with your friends, working with people that you admire and just making stuff that you stand behind 100%. Yeah, it's the it's the dream. I mean, what's interesting about where your where your career is right now is like people now are like writing a lot of stuff for you. And what is that like to get a script where you're seeing yourself through somebody else's eyes? Like here we have thought of a perfect character for Melanie Linsky. It's such an I don't even know. Like I almost feel like I'm going to start crying. <laughs> it's such a big deal to have somebody. I know how much work it is to write something and to have somebody put that amount of work into it and be thinking that I might be the person to put it on the screen. It's such a huge responsibility and it's a really beautiful thing. I remember reading the script for, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And Macon told me that he had written it for me. And I just was like, I I just don't understand this gift, (laughs) this gift of this part and this movie, this person who I love and admire it's like thinking about me, I, I, you know, 
I feel so starstruck around talented people and the sort of somebody making something with me in mind is just like beyond. I love it. And then that film went Sundance. I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. We still, I have 40 texts from the, that group of people already today. We text every single day. Still? Yeah, still. still. This has been years. Still. This has been years. I think it's been seven years since we made the movie. You and the actors and maker, yeah, we text every, I would say every single day. Sometimes there's a couple of days without a new text, but pretty much every single day. That is beautiful. Is it a very mm. heavy chat? Are you like a lot of, oh, check out this gif of a cat? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a lot of um, support and love. Everybody's watching each other's projects all the time talking about, oh, my God, you know, Jane won this award for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, or Robert's So Good and Midnight Mass, Elijah's movie just came out, um, Devin wrote this, go see it. You know, it's like just everybody's supporting each other, talking about our babies, like there are a bunch of babies now that mm -hmm. people have had and people have gotten married, pictures of our dogs, pictures of where we're filming. It's just like just life life updates so it's like a really strong little group of friends it's oh. really special why do i feel like you have transplanted small town new zealand charm into los angeles <laughs> that's so sweet well elijah's basically a new zealander because mm -hmm. he spent so much time there he's like an honorary new zealander that's true it's true yeah. he probably has like a some sort of key to some part of the city I think that he does. He he literally knows more about like where to go and what to do than I do. Well, Melanie, I adore talking to you. This has been such a lovely conversation. Thank yeah. you for your three picks. Oh, thank you for talking with me. It's been really fun. Absolutely. And I'm excited for people to come see Lady in the Manor and all of the ridiculous stuff you get up to. Everything that is happening with Ryan Philippe's very red face. Like I know. Whatever the makeup artist did to him, I was like, you nailed the Southern man face. Oh, my God. I know. Isn't it so funny? He's very, <laughs> he's very, very funny in the movie. It's really, um, yeah. It's I great. love it. It's so silly. You Getting a chance to just have you and Judy just like goof around and tear shit up is wonderful. Oh, it was my dream come true. We've wanted to work together for so long and we finally got to, and it was just in the silliest of circumstances. So it was very, very, very fun. Well, thank you to Melanie for being here and talking through her top three films. Thank you for listening. And all right, enjoy. Go watch something fun. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. 
but there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.